welcome to episode 16 of What's Your Jam? Conversations about what makes us happy over a cup of tea and a jam scone. What a lovely time this has been. I'm recording this quite late on Friday night. It's Friday the 24th of February and tomorrow morning I'm doing a crazy uh, 10 hour soapathon. Uh, tomorrow all day, it starts at 1 o'clock but I'm going to be packing it in the morning and then we pack out at night and it's a crazy time. So I'm recording this quite late at night and I feel a bit silly. And I've also taken down some of my studio so my voice might be kind of echoey, but that's okay. It's part of the aesthetic, right? It's a home-brewed podcast activity. Anyway, my guest today is Laura Irish, who is in Wellington for the Sopathon, which is happening tomorrow. And she is a theatre producer, actor, um, director, all of these things, writer. And we had a really great chat. We... um, we started talking about the theatre and then we sort of moved on and, and found out that she bloody loves villains. So that's what this episode's about. And I hope you have a lovely time listening to it. And uh, if you're not already, if it's not already on your radar, then you should be at Bats Theatre at one o'clock today from from then onwards. Anytime you turn up at any hour, there will be a show. It will be lovely to have you. You'll get to see Laura and me. Uh, see you then. Here is Laura Irish and writing villains. <laughs> Thanks for coming on What's Your Jam? Hi, I hope that earlier part is not a part of it. It might be part of it. Is it part of it? I don't know, we'll see. (laughs) It might be the preamble of, what's your favorite swear word? (laughs) It'll be great. The preamble of my dad's Mm. one is just, how long is this going to (laughs) take? Because because dads, which is sweet. Um, What would you you describe as your jam? What is your jam? My jam. Well, that's the thing. When I... When you asked me to be on this podcast, I've got a lot of jams. You do. I'm like a, you know, I'm like a jack of all trades, master of none. A kind of, of like I'm master. a jammer of all the things. Jammer of all toasts. Yeah. That's not a phrase. I don't even like toast. You don't like toast? No, that's a, that's a thing. I'm not a fan of toast. It, but how? Yeah. Yeah. Like cold toast, hot toast, any toast? No, the toast. I, <laughs> I'm i not. What do you prefer? What's your best breakfast? Uh, my best breakfast probably would be a good eggs benedict. Oh, because it's not on toast. It's on a, muff- a muffin. A muffin, an English muffin. That's mm. my jam. That's pretty great. You hear that, Wellington cafes? Stop putting your eggs benedict on toast. Don't do it. No, it's on a muffin. I find a lot of toast too hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's not why I came that's I didn't come why. here to talk about toast no but so. you you are an improviser and a director and a mom that's true and uh what other things do you do um I'm a writer yes and I'm an actress uh-huh. that's probably my main jam acting yeah yeah um I trained at the Stella Adler Studio of Acting in mm-hmm. New York uh, for a summer. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of the best times of my life. Good. Um, I'm also, uh, I, I act mostly in New Zealand. That's what I do now. Yeah. Because um, that's where you live. You that's, live in Nelson. I live in Nelson. A- and audiences may have seen you on Shortland Street. <laughs> at one time. Did you, did, you have, did you bleed from the mouth? Was that what happened in the episode? No, I, I it gushed from my nose. Oh, it may have it. looked like it was coming from my mouth. I just see there was blood on your face. Yeah, like, a, there was oh, a lot of blood. Oh, no. I did some good acting. Great, great. Yeah, a good kind of bloody acting. <laughs> 
So acting is your acting is your main thing. Anything yeah. else sort of serves to facilitate that, or sort of just side projects? Um, I think everything serves to facilitate that. I I got into arts management because I also have a master's in arts management. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into that because in New Zealand especially, you have to create your own work. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I wanted to learn how to do that properly so that I could facilitate creating work for other people as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So Nelson has kind of a a booming industry of, you know, it's it's up and coming Mm -hmm. of theater and, um, you know, at the moment, original theater. Mm -hmm. And it's really exciting to be there at this time because, you know, for a while there wasn't a lot and now there's this kind of growth of professionalism coming from that region and people creating their own stories. And it's fun to be kind of at the forefront of that. Yeah, because you're not just acting in Nelson. You are opening a theater in Nelson. This is true. Is that something that you can talk about? Yeah, okay, great. I can. I suddenly yes. realized, as I said, I was like, is that a thing? Yeah, no, yeah, can. yeah. I can. You're I can opening talk about a theater this. in Nelson. Yeah, I am. It's And it's not just a theater, it's going to be for fringe arts. Mm -hmm. So Nelson is um, a ridiculously supportive community as Mm -hmm. far as uh, the arts are concerned. And um, we have the Theater Royal there, which is this massive, beautiful theater. Mm, I played Um, there. It was really fun. Yeah, it's amazing. It's an amazing facility. Um, It has a really interesting story as well because it got burnt down at least once. Mm -hmm. I feel like it was twice but I really should check on the history of that it's very that's a, that's a common thing for theaters I think I've also <laughs> heard that it's New Zealand's oldest theater oh wow yeah um Good so Nelson. yeah well done Nelson um so they have that amazing facility and it's run by really amazing people mm-hmm. um but there is really no area for artists to test out new material mm-hmm. and um and to you know kind of foster that growth um, with new with new artists and try to bring up I mean we have such a, a great youth community when it comes to theater mm-hmm. and in Nelson there's several youth theaters and all of these kids want to be creating things and as they get older and older and older so many of them audition for Toy Fakari or they go off to NASDA or they want to just start making work but they don't have an area in the community where they've been able to create their own stuff. Yeah. And that's what you're addressing. So that's what we're addressing, yeah. Wow. So we have a new trust Mm -hmm. called the Nelson Fringe Arts Charitable Trust, Mm -hmm. and um, that is what runs the Nelson Fringe Festival. Mm -hmm. So 2017 will be the third year of the Nelson Fringe Festival. Mm -hmm. Um, And contrary to some belief, our festival is not curated. (laughs) um we take uh we we have to work really hard to take all of the acts and people that Mm -hmm. submit into our festival because we have um our festival runs like a showcase so it's uh being so small we we started this out um three years ago and thought well how can we create a fringe in nelson it's tiny and no one knows we're here Mm -hmm. um so we just got one venue, which is this large art gallery. The Refinery? The Refinery Art yeah. Space, yep, on Halifax Street. Mm-hmm. And um, and we turn it into a theater mm-hmm. uh, for an entire week. And we take submissions from wherever. Um, we get international 
national and local artists to submit mm-hmm. and um and they bring their shows and usually they stay for the whole week mm-hmm. and we run workshops during the day so that the artists can connect and network and learn from each other mm-hmm. um and so because we want to create more of a space for growth and for collaboration mm-hmm. and a place where they can show their work as well it's like an artist retreat almost it is yeah you've been you've been twice you've been two times i'm coming one more time i know you are (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so we so we have that once a year and um this year kind of got out of control um really yeah the one coming up the one coming up yeah this is the first year i'll be the director Mm -hmm. of the festival um and when we created the festival the first year we had 15 shows and I think, if I'm saying correctly, in the first festival, we only had two local shows. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Um, last year, we had uh, 23 shows, mm-hmm. and we had eight local shows. Right. This year, we had 40 submissions, mm-hmm. which is almost double what we had last year. Yeah. And in those 40 submissions, we've had 17 local shows. Yeah. Um, which is amazing. How are you going to put 40 shows on in a week? I did it. <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> you did it. I did it. I managed it. It was a stressful couple of days yeah. trying to figure out how I was going to make that happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I really believe that everyone that wants to perform should be able to perform. And I really want to see if they, if they feel compelled to bring their work to Nelson, I want to make that happen. Mm. So, um, yeah. So I made it happen by begging the refinery to talk to the artists that were in the space before us and tell them that I'll give them tickets if they leave a day or two early. (laughs) (laughs) Can you guys get out so we can can get in? Yeah. Just, just, it's all right. We'll, we'll help you. We'll help you get out. Yeah. Um, so we have extended the festival mm-hmm. from one week to nine days. Yeah. And we've added an extra show each day. So mm-hmm. instead of three shows a day, we'll have four. Oh, my God. Um, which is... So intense. Very intense. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm really excited about that. But, I mean, the, the point of it is that we have such growth in local artists or people moving to Nelson because this year we've had a lot of amazing actors and um, performers move to Nelson and be like, what's the scene here, guys? Um, yeah, fill me in. I'm, I'm here. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. And so we've, so basically I woke up one day and I was like, hmm, I think it's time for us to have our own theater. Mm-hmm. And so I started researching and I told my husband and a couple of hours later, um, he sent me this article, uh, that was on the Nelson mail, mm-hmm. um, about this guy that I know really well, um, cause I used to work for him named Galen King and that he was opening, he wants to create a, a container mall in the center of Nelson. Mm-hmm. And, um, he wants, um, most of the spaces to be quite creative or quirky mm-hmm. and, um, and, Charlie, my husband, was like, mm, what about this? Why don't you put a theater in a container? Yeah, why don't you try that? And I was like, that is real weird. Um, yep, I'll do it. <laughs> great, great. Uh, I'm an improviser, you yeah. know. Like You say yes. I just, yeah, just do what's handed to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I contacted Galen that day mm-hmm. and said, "How? what do you think about this? 
and he was 110% on board. That's so great. Um, so they offered us the lease for the largest space, which mm-hmm. is a double wide 40 foot container. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not huge, but it's large enough to, um, you know, it's, it's a tiny bit bigger than uh, the studio in Bats. Right. Yes. Yeah. Cool, cool. Um, so it's, it's a tiny bit bigger, but the ceiling is a bit lower. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, so they, they offered us a lease and we have to design it. So I have no design experience whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening to this and you want to design a theater and a container space, please get in contact with me Um, (laughs) because I have to be doing that. Um, and then very graciously, uh, the Nelson city council gave us $20,000 to, uh, to create the theater mm-hmm. and the Racha Foundation has offered us ten thousand dollars. That's wonderful. Yeah. So we are on our way, but we are still quite far from mm-hmm. our end targets of what we need to accomplish this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have a date that you want to open by? Well, it keeps kind of moving because the um the container all uh, oh, right, you're dependent on when that actually happens. Yeah, right. yeah. So they they were aiming for um, kind of more the start of this year, but it keeps getting pushed back with mm-hmm. um, kind of regulations and yeah. and health and safety stuff. So they're they're looking at things happening soon, and so I really have my fingers crossed for the start of June. Mm-hmm. Uh, Great. Partly because that is that seems doable because it's after the fringe, and partly because. The first week of June is my birthday. Yeah, I've so, a birthday present for you. Yeah, happy birthday! Here's a theater. <laughs> Put some fringe stuff in it. Yeah, right. and it, so and that's managed not just by you, but by the Fringe Trust. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. So you started driving it, but the trust is taking it as a project. Yeah, I was really mm-hmm. nervous because I took this idea to the trust and mm-hmm. was like. Hey guys, guys, uh, should we own a theater? How about we run a theater? <laughs> um, whereas we, it was like the first week of the trust. <laughs> so we Great. we created the trust to run the Fringe Festival, and we got um, we got some people onto the trust that had experience in running the Fringe, mm-hmm. um, and then some other people that were supporters but were in fields that us artists don't know much about Mm -hmm. you know like an accountant and a lawyer and so helpful and so we were sitting around the table and I said well I have a proposal for everyone how about this and (laughs) how about this how about this thing and and everyone was really supportive and saw the need for it in the community that's wonderful yeah so it's very exciting it's so exciting and then your life will be running a theater yeah. Are you going to be the theater manager? Is that the idea? Well, I think that's the idea. We mm. haven't set that in stone yet, but mm. um but that was the that that was that's been the idea from the start. Yeah. Mm. Um I wanted to try to figure out how I can make a living in Nelson. Yeah. Um and so I think that's one of the ways that will be viable for me to to stay in Nelson. Yeah. Is to run that theater. Yeah. yeah it's hard when you're when you're a performer but you need to make the things that you can perform like yeah not having that sort of infrastructure already there that goes great you're an actor cool here are the people that are making plays that will put it on and pay you for your work and I feel like around the country that's hard to to really find full-time work in mm. like I think in Christchurch you've got the court and in Wellington pretty much circa 
uh, and then Auckland has got a few more options, plus, you know, old Shorty Street yeah. and TV and stuff. But it's hard to actually – you have to make it yourself. If yep. you want it to exist, you have to make it. Do you find that con- con- that clashes with your main jam being acting? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's um, it's kind of an epidemic, especially in the Nelson area. Yeah. Because we don't have – a lot of things being facilitated for us. There's usually one or two people that step up to create things, mm-hmm. and um, and this is what we found when we had we we ran a professional theater company in Nelson called Body and Space, yeah. and that was run by the directors Dan Allen and Lisa Allen. Mm-hmm. And um, and when speaking of Lisa Allen, she has a crazy awesome fringe show that she just did in wellington it's finished i know it's finished but she's just taken it to palmerston north oh great so she's there now and then she's also going other places christchurch dunedin to nelson fringe she's not doing it in nelson this year um i think it was one just a stretch too far yeah um but yeah we um but this is kind of her first step back into acting Mm -hmm. since we had the theater company and we ran that company for six years Mm -hmm. Um, and she just got stuck being the producer of everything. Yeah. And so it kind of drains you creatively. It really can. Yeah. Cause you're feeding, you know, you, you this is your life as well. You know, you, you try to create things initially because it doesn't exist and you know that you want to be doing it. Um, but then you create it and realize you're creating so many things that you don't have time to do the to be in the thing thing. or your your brain gets so focused on the production and the finances and the and the administration of it that when it comes to the creative you're just sort of like cool i've actually run out of of decision making juice yeah uh so just whatever will be fine and that's not helpful at all no really rough yeah Yeah. so you have to find a balance Mm -hmm. i mean it's it's really hard but especially you know like when you have children and a mortgage (laughs) Yeah. You have to figure out ways to make things happen and make money mm-hmm. and creatively fulfill yourself. It is, you know, it's yeah. quite a difficult thing to thing to do. Are you are you currently making a living? Oh god. Not yet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it depends on the day. Right. Like it depends on which day you look at my bank account. Yeah. Um you know, like we just finished uh, Nelson Summer Shakespeare, which oh, yeah. was ridiculously successful. Wonderful. Um, which we weren't expecting because we, well, regular Summer Shakespeare hasn't happened in Nelson uh, for about eight years. Oh, right. Yeah. And so we, um, when I was with Body in Space, we did a summer show every year, which was, uh, which wasn't Shakespeare, but it was more a, a comedy show outdoors every year. Mm-hmm. And it went really, really well. Um, but usually we cast it with quite a small cast. And, um, and this year we decided to do, uh, with a new director in Nelson called Giles Burton, mm-hmm. um, we decided, he and I decided to produce a summer Shakespeare mm-hmm. and start up a new company. Mm-hmm. And um, so we did A Midsummer Night's Dream. Mm-hmm. Strong choice. It was a good choice. It was definitely a good choice. Mm-hmm. And um, so we did that. And people love Shakespeare, man. Yeah. Like, it's it's unbelievable how many people come out just because it's Shakespeare. Yeah. Um, it's familiar yeah it's familiar yeah Yeah. and so we weren't expecting to as as actors in it because 
the shows in the past, the summer shows in the past, we've cast four people usually, mm-hmm. um, five at the very most, so that we could make some money. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year we cast eight because the Midsummer Night's Dream is very hard to do with less Wait. than 10 people. <laughs> you did it with eight people? We did it with eight people. I played three roles. What? Yeah. You were Puck. I was Puck, yeah. What were the other two roles? Uh, I was also Peter Quince. And uh, yeah. there's there's debate about the name of this other person. It's either Phyllis Strait or Phyllis Strata. Oh. Which one's that? Is it the wife of... No, oh. um, it's usually played by a man, but it's the a kind of servant, um, oh, like okay. messenger, right? Of right. yeah, of the duke, yeah, of Theseus. Yeah. Well, so, three yeah. roles, and one of them was freaking puck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I was mental, and oh, this was a horrible, horrible thing that happened. Um, the night of our dress rehearsal, mm-hmm. first time that we ever performed it outdoors. Um, and we had our radio mics on and stuff. It was the first time we had any of our stuff, our set, all mm-hmm. this. And um, and w- we start the show. And earlier that day, my husband had gotten really ill. Oh, no. And he never gets ill. And I was like, "What? do you have food poisoning or something? And he was like, I don't know. And he went to bed. And he, in the middle of the day, he came home from work and went to bed in the middle of the day. And... And I was like, what is wrong with him? Mm. So I went to the dress rehearsal, and about 15 minutes in, I was like, something's wrong. Oh, God. Guys, have... something's wrong. <laughs> I have the thing. I have, I have, the, the, I have the thing. I have the thing. <laughs> and it turned out that we had neurovirus. <gasps> oh, God. And, yeah, and it was horrific. Oh, no. And so, yeah, this was the night before opening night. And so I, I spent the whole night so sick. And so we didn't get to do the dress rehearsal. Um, yeah. They, they didn't like sort of do a walk they, without you? They walked through the first half without me. Right. And then it started raining. Oh, <laughs> summer shakes. Yeah. Yeah. So we went in opening night almost completely unknown. And I... At, and you'd, you'd almost recovered by this point? I'd almost recovered. I was like, at one at one o'clock in the afternoon on opening night, I like was laying in bed and I just was crying and sobbing to my husband. And I was like, Charlie, if I do this show, I'm definitely going to die. I'm going to die. And he was like, you're not going to die. Look at me. I'm fine now. And so oh. I, I went back to sleep. And at four o'clock, I got up and I went to where we were going to perform and I just sat in a corner and drank Powerade for like two hours. <laughs> Everyone else is warming up and you're like, I'll be right yeah, there. I'll be with you later. <laughs> um, yeah, but we did it and no one knew. And like, I was crazy as Puck as well. Like I, like everyone brings picnics and bottles of wine and, you know, they, they come and sit out in the beautiful gardens at Fairfield house in, mm-hmm. in Nelson. And I was like stealing food from people and like throwing things and like drinking their wine and it was like for that are you potentially giving them norovirus no 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 one drank after me or anything weird like that but yeah no i i was very careful i was very careful but yeah they i no one would have known and it's like that thing that happens it's like dr theater arrives Mm -hmm. and just boom you're fine and then you come off stage and you're like oh i'm still dying but you survived and I you're survived. still here and yeah. you made it yeah I made That's it so good. that was a roundabout way to say my bank account looks good today yeah 
<laughs> the show did really well. Yeah. 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 It's hard, right? Making arts and trying to have a sustainable income on that without a full-time job. Yeah. It's why so many artists, I guess, end up being waiters and yeah. hospital staff because they need something in the background that's that's paying the bills. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. There yeah. used to be the PACE program. I can't remember what exactly it was called, but I think it went away before I came of age. But it was like a, uh, it was basically the doll for artists. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was a subsidy. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, here, you're making an album. Great. Living costs. Yeah. Oh, luxury. I know. I know. I can't believe it. I can't mm. believe that existed, but it doesn't. I wonder if it'll now. ever come back. I don't think so. I'm a big fan of universal basic income or unconditional basic income. Yeah. I think that would be a fantastic idea. I think it's quite a good idea as well, but and I don't know if that's what we're here to talk about. No, no. <laughs> we just follow our nose and see what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, uh, so, and you, so you're a writer as well. You're a writer. Mm. Uh, and you wrote a play called About Bonnie and Clyde, right? I did, yeah. Hot Chocolate and... The Trails End. Yeah. Did you write that by yourself? I did, yeah. yeah. And My husband was supposed to help me. He's also a writer. He's a journalist, Charles mm-hmm. Anderson. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very... A uh, very good writer. Yeah. Um, and so I thought, he's going to help me with this, surely. And I, yeah, and, and because he wanted to be in it. Right. Yes. Yeah. Because um, that's how he and I met. We we met um, because we were acting in Macbeth together. What roles were you? Um, I was Lady Macbeth. Yeah. And he was Malcolm. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So that was... Like that was seven years ago now, mm-hmm. and we hadn't acted together since. Oh. Yeah, and so we thought, oh well, we'll. I I really I got really passionate about the story of Bonnie and Clyde because I got, really, <laughs> I got really angry about um, I got really angry about how they were portrayed by the media and, and by film and mm-hmm. um, how I didn't feel like their story was really well told. Okay. Um, and there had been a lot of things that come out in the last couple of years, especially about Clyde Barrow. And, um, you know, he, he had uh, PTSD from mm-hmm. being in prison. Mm-hmm. And um, that fueled a lot of what he did. Mm-hmm. And and there, there hadn't been anything really written about that side of things and, and kind of the demons that he fought. Mm-hmm. Um because Somewhat unsuccessfully, it seems. Extremely unsuccessfully, yeah. And um, how Bonnie kind of stuck by him. Mm-hmm. And there was always all this bad press surrounding her as mm-hmm. well, which I kind of thought was quite unfair considering, um, you know, it's now come out that it's, you know, 100% sure that she never shot anybody. Okay. That she, you know, that she actually a few times went back um, to help people that had been hurt or to, you, you know, try to protect people or, you know, things like that. And, right. you know, I think she was, she had quite a hard exterior, mm-hmm. um, but there are lots of cases, um, lots of eyewitness cases of her actually doing really good things. And none except, of that. Except enabling him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. 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 Yeah, she enabled him. I, I, I do believe she tried to stop him um, at a few points. But, you know, it's, yeah, trying to put yourself in that position in that time period as well. Um, 
and and then the fame that they got so quickly so early on and Mm -hmm. and realizing that they were actually never again going to be safe Mm -hmm. and also you know doing research on it and and seeing that um they were the reason that the fbi was formed what yeah it's amazing yeah so they um you know clyde barrow killed a few people and his gang also killed a few people it's it's unknown how many were actually him Mm -hmm. um but the only kind of federal crime that they were committing was automobile theft so they crossed state lines mm-hmm. with with stolen cars. Right. And at that time, the police, once they got to the border, they couldn't cross to chase them. So, yeah, so there was this whole huge thing. Like, they went on this spree for two because years. Because they could. Because they could. As soon as, like, he was so fast. Yeah. Clyde Barrow was like, he should have been a race car driver. Yeah. He was so fast. He could outrun anybody. Um, and he always stole um, Ford V8s. Like, that was his car. Yeah. So he, yeah, so as long as it had a V8 engine, he would steal it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they didn't, they couldn't catch him. And so they finally were like, the government was like, what do we do about these guys? Because they're becoming heroes, actually. Yeah. Um, people were rooting them on. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that was one of the reasons, um, yeah, the the first squad of people that that kind of tried to chase them and eventually caught them and, and killed them mm-hmm. um and that eventually became the fbi that's amazing mm. i've got a what an odd origin story i know you don't expect that no especially with what the fbi gets up to now i guess like, yeah it's I, maybe it's the fact that fbi is now sort of like linked in my mind to like Mulder and scully right yeah <laughs> <laughs> like Oh yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking about aliens. It's not. That's not relevant. That's not a thing. Yeah. Great. So you wrote this to explore different side of their relationship. And, yeah, and about the people. Yeah, yeah. And it's the the whole show is about their relationship, and it and it stems from a story about them meeting over a cup of hot chocolate, mm-hmm. and um and throughout the play, um there are pieces of poetry in between each scene mm-hmm. the the scenes aren't in order oh. they're in the yeah they're not in chronological order um but you kind of discover things about their story and their characters as as they go on mm-hmm. and each scene is in correlation to a stanza of a poem that bonnie actually wrote about three weeks before their death right. and it prophesies their death um, I guess by that point it was probably inevitable that something was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, they were. They knew they were being hunted. Yeah, they're like we're going to go down. It's happening soon. Yeah, that, well, that's pretty much the the lines of the poem. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I'm a poet. Yeah. the The last stanza is: um, someday they'll go down together. They'll bury them side by side. To futile be grief. To the law a relief. But it's death for Bonnie and Clyde. And so in, in the end, like she even put in that last stanza, she put her, her burial instructions. You know, she wants to be buried next to him. They'll bury, they'll bury them side by side, mm. which they, they ignored. Of course they did. Um, <laughs> her mother said when they died, she said he had her in life. He's not having her in death. Mm. And so buried, they buried them separately. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's just... Yeah, the whole poem goes through all the things that they did and all the things that they were accused of that they didn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like she wanted to set the record straight and um, 
you know, one of my favorite, one of my favorite parts of the poem was when she talks about how Clyde was before all of this and how she knew him when he was upright and honest and clean and how the, you know, them being chased and hunted and, um, you know, the depression and not being able to get food and not being able to live, you know, freely, Mm -hmm. um, how that turned him into who he was now. And so it was like, it's a really beautiful story about humanity and about relationships and about, you know, sticking up for the people that you love and what makes a person a bad person. You know, it it's it's a fine line, yeah. really. It's, and it's less like, what do you have to do to be considered a bad person? It's more like, what turns you into it? Yeah. 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 Because I feel like committing a whole lot of murder, that's... That's, yeah, that's, that's pretty well clear. Over the line. It's well yeah. over the line. It's pretty clear. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um but yeah, he wasn't, you know, he did have a lot of good traits and he did have, you know, he had a good sense of humor and he originally he really wanted to be a musician. Mm-hmm. He was uh he apparently he was an amazing saxophone player mm-hmm. and um and a guitarist. And that's what he wanted to do mm-hmm. with his life, but he just got in with the wrong people, one mm-hmm. of them being his brother. You don't choose your family. No. Um, and he kind of just spiraled out of control and made some really terrible choices. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's yeah, it's a fascinating story. It's really interesting thinking about the, um, the idea that, like, even though he did terrible things, he had these good things about him. Mm. Especially when you think about um, uh, the stuff with... Uh, horrible alt-right people in the moment in the media getting like getting like profiles being like oh look at his fashionable choices like oh he does these things and like just and it's it's that idea that uh admiring the good things about a person in spite of their bad yeah is i don't know what that what i don't know what that link is there but i feel like like exploring these plays where you go like this person that did terrible things they were also a human and it's not so much it doesn't feel so much to me about going see they weren't so bad after all but no. just going see they were human he's not a monster yeah she's not a monster they're not these like they're not crazy outliers mm-hmm. they're people and yeah people do terrible things and it's more about looking at how does this happen mm. You know, how, how can we, um, how can we change our outlooks and how can we change our interactions with others, um, so that we can create better lives for each other? It's, you know, it's what you do affects another person. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's one of the things that I was exploring in that piece is how the choices that, um, per se the the guards in in prison um where Clyde was in prison in Texas how the choices they made to be cruel and to be um to abuse him to abuse him yeah totally um how that helped break him Mm -hmm. you know essentially after that point he had a mental illness Mm -hmm. he he couldn't you know he had panic attacks and he was he just couldn't function in normal society. He was completely traumatized. Yeah. So the prison um, didn't, it's that thing of prison as punishment instead of rehabilitation. Like yeah. taking people away and going, okay, you you did not get off on the right foot and you did mm-hmm. these terrible things. And so part of this is about making you a better productive member of society. Yeah. Instead of like, uh, all right, you did a bad thing. We will lock you up and be a dick to you for 20 years. And then when you get out, 
we'll hope mm-hmm. for the best and that's not how you make citizens no. it's not how you make humans no function and just you know like seeing they they weren't able to see him as a human mm-hmm. you know like i mean and oftentimes i i don't know how it is to work in a prison or how it was back then Mm. because you know people had a completely different mindset in that time period um i mean the the end of the 1920s was a terrible time in the united states Mm -hmm. um and so people were people really out to to protect themselves Mm -hmm. and didn't really have much regard for anyone else and i feel like that we we have to look back at the way things were and not repeat Mm -hmm. you know and and I think that these kinds of stories can can give us that kind of insight as well Mm. um you know just how to treat people (laughs) I felt thought of another great link uh you just listened to the talk um with Marion Elliott yeah and we talked about amazing about sharing specific stories Mm. and going this is a specific thing that has happened to this person and it it being easier to relate to so it's like interesting to go like right i'm going to tell you the specific story of how this person got to this point so that you can understand and you can not look at criminals or 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 anybody different to you as as a monolith that Mm -hmm. has you know there's there's no monolith but there are things that you can see and go like ah we see structurally this was a problem and this structural thing is a problem and this societal thing is a problem and when you're thinking about what you've been saying about Bonnie and Clyde, it's, it's, I mean, like we don't know for sure, but it doesn't sound to me like it was a healthy relationship in terms of her being like, yeah, I'm going to stick by you no matter what. And you go, that's not actually how you love someone. Yeah. Like, that's not, that's not a healthy way to love somebody. And I want to believe that we're, we're getting better versed in, in understanding, you know, signs of abusive relationships and, and keeping an eye out for warning signs. I don't think we're, we're definitely not there yet, but mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's more of a thing. And like, were they married? No. Okay. She was actually married to someone else. Oh, Bonnie. Yeah. Well, it's, it. yeah, she, yeah. I mean, as far as that's concerned, she was married to somebody else when she was very young and oh, he took right. off. Oh, right. So okay, even when of... she died, she was still wearing her wedding ring. Right. Um. Yeah. Uh, Roy was his name. Good job, Roy. Good job, Roy. Uh, yeah, he was a bit of a douchebag. Yeah. Can I say douchebag? Totally. Him? Totally okay. you can. But yeah, he was. That, that idea but... of like marriage being you get married, you stay married. Yeah. Like even just that simple idea has changed. Yeah. So like her being married to a man who took off, she could be like, cool, I've been abandoned. I'm not yeah, married and, anymore. Well, and I think she viewed Clyde as quite a large step up because yeah. Roy um, was also quite abusive. Um, and so she, she married him, I think when she was 18 or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and she met Clyde when she was, oh, was she 20, 21 when she met Clyde? Cause they were dead. He was 24 and she was 23 when they died. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine being a 22 year old on, on the run from yeah. the law and like, getting in police like shootouts and it's just having them crazy almost so early yeah and, and having such a, a messed up life trajectory i guess oh, yeah i feel like bonnie and clyde is your jam <laughs> it is kind of my jam yeah yeah it is kind of my jam i find them extremely interesting and in looking at yeah i mean because with them you can see everything from start to finish how how this happened um also in the end um they were betrayed oh really yeah yeah did they someone were. give away where they were or something yeah 
yeah one of their other one of their gang members um yeah which is quite it's it's even though they shouldn't obviously shouldn't have been doing what they were doing mm. um it the way that they were i mean they weren't even apprehended they were, they were just slaughtered yeah. yeah they were slaughtered yeah um the way all of that was done was just it it just makes your skin crawl it's that thing of like narratively this feels wrong yeah Almost. yeah like yeah yeah i mean it makes for a it's very a great movie yeah it makes for a very <laughs> dramatic play yeah, um it but it also you know like the the way that the way that i wrote this play is i took um a lot of real life dialogue as well mm-hmm. things that had been recorded and mm-hmm. and things that people had written down that they had said um and i incorporated that into the scenes mm-hmm. and tried to keep it you know tried to base the scenes around those bits of dialogue that i knew mm-hmm. or the stories that had been retold by friends and family members of them and um yeah it was um yeah it, it was quite hard going through it and real and and having that sense that these are people and I really want to honor the real people good or bad Mm -hmm. I I wanted to show that they were real and that also goes for um Henry Methvin who was the guy who ratted them out Mm. um and he's also portrayed in the play Mm. um by Isaac Thomas. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Isaac also composed all the music for the show. Mm-hmm. And he um, he's, well, not anymore because I'm doing this on a podcast, but he is a surprise character that comes in at the end right. um, and plays Henry Methvin. But the whole rest of the show, he's sitting off to the side um, in a prison uniform playing guitar and he has chains and uses the chains to create music and oh, um it's he yeah I'm his so music is amazing this i know, I know I why. yeah yeah uh, are you gonna try and bring it to wellington another time yeah i i will right. i really want to um please do okay i really want to watch it now i'm just like yeah you talk about it i'm like i really want to watch this uh have you was it the, was it the first play you wrote or have you written other plays no i've written some other plays mm-hmm. um i well this was a collaboration writing piece the the other one um was misunderstood the musical oh yes yep um so I wrote that with that was my concept but Mm -hmm. I wrote it with Daniel Allen and Isaac Thomas and Mm -hmm. we wrote all the music together Mm -hmm. and um it's a children's show that is a choose your own adventure so great um so it's quite hard because we had to basically learn three different plays and in the plays we had to learn different roles depending on what the audience chooses oh my God. so we <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so the kids can choose um between the stories of rumpelstiltskin captain hook or the evil queen from snow white mm-hmm. and then within those stories they also get other choices of mm-hmm. characters they want to meet um so yeah the songs stay the same throughout the whole show but yeah that is yeah and I also have three other plays that I'm writing at the moment. At the moment. <laughs> yeah. Are they all about real people or are they? Um, 
Just no. realizing there's a link between the two plays you've written. You've yeah. misunderstood in Hot, in Hot Chocolate and the Trails End. You've yeah. got both are trying to explore the background of people who are baddies. Yeah. I mean, one yeah. for kids and one for grown-ups. That's true. I hadn't really made that correlation before. <laughs> <laughs> are you trying to justify something in your own <laughs> Maybe. Maybe are, I am. Are, you, do you, are, there, are there any sort of patterns between the other plays you're trying to write? Not trying to write, but you um, know what I mean. Yeah. I'm trying to finish. <laughs> I don't think there is um so one of them at the moment is called redwood mm-hmm. and it's about um and i haven't even looked at it in ages and now i'm having all kinds of mind farts like trying to right. remember um oh, okay so there is uh, this one is about a real person mm-hmm. and it's about a woman um and god i can't remember her name okay. right now off the top of my head um that's okay which is quite ridiculous but anyway this and it's gonna come to me but anyway this woman um she was australian Mm -hmm. um but she came to new zealand this was ages ago um she in 1800s um she came to new zealand and um she she immigrated with her father and her mother had had a history of of mental illness and had been locked up in an insane asylum and she um, when she arrives here, she became one of New Zealand's most notorious con artists. Oh. And she's very interesting. Right. Um, but her biggest con mm-hmm. was um, down near Dunedin. She, uh, oh my gosh, she's she's amazing. She's very, I love her. But anyway, she um, impersonated a man mm-hmm. And made, uh, she was staying at this guest house, and the daughter of the guest house fell in love with her, mm-hmm. but thought she was a man. Okay. And she carried this out and got married okay. with her. And it wasn't until four days after the wedding they realized something was up, and the police arrived and arrested her for some other impersonation that she had done. Oh. Um, so and, a different crime. Yeah. Not for this one. Not for this okay. one. Um, but she would like steal from people or she'd go into a house and pretend that she was, um, you know, pretend that she was like a nanny or, a, you know, a maid and she'd stay there and they'd go away for a holiday for a weekend and she'd steal all their stuff and sell it. Mm-hmm. And, and then leave. And then leave. <laughs> yeah. And um, or she'd do something like that and then they'd arrive back and she'd cry and cry and cry and say how horrible of a childhood she'd had and that she'd get out of it. Um, yeah, she did that in front of judges a couple of times. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, but she. This is another baddie you're writing. This the backstory. Yeah, (laughs) it's maybe that's my thing. Maybe that's my jam. Oh my god. Um. Yeah. Gonna be called like baddies. Baddies. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um. Maybe I do have a thing for baddies in Shakespeare. I just love all the tragedies. That's like, and I, you know, like Lady Macbeth. Mm -hmm. She's known as one of the most notorious baddies yeah however mm-hmm. i think she is rather justified in most of the things that she does <laughs> oh my gosh you're secretly evil this is amazing i don't know if it's a secret jen this is true you're slytherin right no oh what? my god i'm gryffindor can you believe that i think that's not i think you're slytherin really i don't I, know. although maybe it's a gryffindor thing as well maybe just trying Being to see the good in, and in your justice actions yeah, yeah. Maybe. Oh, what are the other two plays about? <laughs> um, 
so one of them is it doesn't it doesn't have a title yet mm-hmm. um but I decided um about I guess it was about six months ago that I really wanted to write a play about love mm-hmm. um because I saw a lot of people in my life that were doing things to sabotage um their themselves own yeah yeah their own happiness and you know like I I wanted to figure out what it was about love or lack of love or um or people taking their love away from us that we find so traumatic and what are things that we do ourselves that sabotage and are we even aware of it mm-hmm. um and so I decided one night to create a survey I remember that. I'm yeah I'm like oh yeah I remember this yeah. yeah so I just like out of my brain I created like a like my keyboard and my fingers had like keyboard diarrhea and mm-hmm. I just like wrote all these questions in one go mm-hmm. and it came out to be like 68 questions or something and I was like no one is ever gonna fill this out yeah we are and by the next day I had like 40 responses amazing and in the end I got 85 responses of people filling this out and I was very um very overwhelmed I had to actually step like I read every single answer of every single person and some people put their names and some people didn't Mm -hmm. um but that was so incredibly personal and I feel really honored that people um trusted me with that information and I learned so much and um and so I'm still working out the process of the play and the structure of it um but I would like there to be eight actors and all of those actors portray themselves and parts of things from the survey oh yeah so that we have some real personal stories in there from the people who are actually telling them um so I'm still working that out um but yeah, I actually had to step away for a while because I received a lot of information from some people that I know that was really, that I, I had to put up some boundaries mm-hmm. because reading this stuff, my first instinct was, oh, what do I do about this? Mm-hmm. I have to do something about this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there were a lot of people who were really unhappy mm-hmm. and I got really afraid because I wanted to do something with their answers that um I mean I know it sounds really naive to to make them happy yeah um or to honor what they had given me yeah they've trusted you with this information and you're like oh my god I have this information now yeah I'm the only person who could do something (laughs) yeah and I thought okay well I I can't put that much pressure on myself you know like I can't um 85 people I can't can't solve the love lives of 85 people no um don't try (laughs) please don't try (laughs) oh man um so yeah but I mean I learned so much and I I was just amazed at the everyone said the same things Mm. you know it it was quite beautiful to see that everyone just like the things that they had learned in their lives the things they had learned from relationships Mm -hmm. to be accepting and to stop judging and that they don't want people to judge them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why do we spend so much time? Getting this wrong. <laughs> what, yeah, why is everyone getting this wrong? Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, not allowing yourself to make mistakes, mm-hmm. not allowing other people to make mistakes, 
um, and and putting a judgment on somebody before they even have a chance to show you who they are or, you know, we're constantly changing. Mm-hmm. So something that someone's done in, in a relationship years ago, I don't feel like that that can reflect who they are now mm-hmm. um, because you're not taking into account, you know, what they've learned. Mm. Um, and, and that was, you know, a lot of what people said as well is that they had made snap judgments of others and let relationships go that they probably shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, because as you get older and, and you are, you know, you you become more tolerant and more understanding of other people's life experiences Mm -hmm. you you realize that we all just want to be accepted Mm -hmm. um and yeah and there are things about each of us that aren't perfect Mm -hmm. um and that will never ever be perfect and so that's yeah so that was it was amazing to read all of these things that were like everybody just wants love guys Mm -hmm. just do the love (laughs) just do the love just do the the loving do the love thing and everyone will feel really good yeah Um, we've got enough time i want to know what the last play is about the last play okay well (laughs) the last play is um it's a new kind of version of the original french play called ondine okay don't know it it's like the original little mermaid oh yeah it's you're writing a little mermaid (laughs) yeah but it's not happy no the original's not no not in the least that that was the one i read as a kid was the one where she throws herself onto the ocean and becomes foam yeah 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 when she walks on the ground it's like walking on broken glass yeah. Yeah. Everything's terrible. Everything's terrible. And and in this original story, it's a lot about um, betrayal and um, honesty and trust. Mm-hmm. And she, um, I mean, I've put my own twist on it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I did a lot of research into the, into the French play and the original story that that came from mm-hmm. um, and about kind of the water nymphs and that whole world. And so, yeah, so I've written the first half of that play. Great. Um, but it's kind of a modern, dark fairy tale. Wonderful. Yeah. You've got a really lovely range, but you definitely are into villains. Like, <laughs> I'm definitely into villains, yeah. yeah. This is definitely yeah. in there. This, yeah, I think this might be writing villains. Yeah, I think so, because yeah. actually, now that you say that, she's not a, you know, she's, she's the goody in, in the play, but she's not good. No. Um, she has flaws because yeah. otherwise it's not it's, characters have to have something that's not perfect if they're a perfect human then it's not it's very uncanny and creepy no and I find the most things are interesting like interesting to me like characters like Richard III mm-hmm. and it's like this guy is the scum of the earth but as an audience you really want him to succeed you're drawn to it. Oh man, it's yeah, so compelling, and you want him to, you want him to make good choices. But then when he, he makes, he's not doing. No, that. he keeps not doing it. It's like I'm watching House of Cards at the moment. Oh god! And it's just, you know, it it's like messes with my brain. Mm-hmm. My my husband thinks I'm secretly evil because before Frank Underwood can do anything, I know what he's going to do. And he's like, how did you, how do you know that? Stop calling these things. Yeah. Like, <laughs> first of all, stop ruining the show. Second yeah. of all, stop being creepy. Yeah. Yeah. 
Are you evil or do you just know narrative? (laughs) What is it? Which one? (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's glorious. Oh shit, that's been a really long chat. I'm really proud of us. Oh man. Um, I uh, hope there was something interesting in there. So much interesting. Hey, you're you're here in town because you're going to be in my soap opera on Saturday. I am. This is going to be, people listening to this, it's Saturday right now. This is going up on Saturday. Today's Saturday. Today is Saturday. You should be at Bats Theater between 1 p.m. and 11 p.m. and coming to watch us be hilarious. Hoo-wee. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing for 10 hours. 10 hours of amazing. You don't have to come for 10 hours. But you could. You could and you will. You could and you just sustain yourself with Bats $1 mixes. For 10 hours. That's only 10 bucks worth of food. You'll They're going to be so ill. By the <laughs> They'll be fine. Okay. Don't even worry about it. Okay, okay. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on the show, Laura. Thank you, Jen. That was episode 16 with Laura Irish. I hope you had a nice time. I hope you're inspired and want to come and watch us have a very crazy time today. Uh, if you are interested in giving me feedback or anything, I understand that there have been some quiet volumes on one side or the other recently, and I don't know what's going on there. I'm new to sound editing. This is a fun exploration. If you have any feedback like, hey, this link's not working. Hey, this sound sounded weird. Hey, this music was edited badly, Jen. You messed up Robbie Ellis's beautiful work. Um, just tell me. I would really love to hear it. Visit whatsyourjam.nz. Otherwise, please have a wonderful weekend. And I will see you tomorrow. Ciao. What's Your Jam is recorded in Wellington and is part of the New Zealand Fringe Festival 2017. Music by Robbie Ellis. Casual interference and support from Molly the Cat. Tea provided by Tea Leaf Tea on Manor Street. Jam expertly crafted by Bachmans. This show is hosted and produced by me, Jennifer O'Sullivan, and you can find useful links, more episodes, and suggest future guests by visiting whatsyourjam.nz. Thanks for listening.